Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, the Steel Cage Deathmatch Meetings, Part 1. Here we go. Well, we've mentioned the Steel Cage Deathmatch meeting before um, in passing, but this is probably one of those we things yeah. that is, it doesn't happen all that frequently, but when it does, it's important and you want to be prepared. So this probably absolutely does deserve its own guidance. Yeah, I think this is one of the examples of why people get frustrated in management because the way you learn is you have to do something for the first time. Nobody's told you anything about it and you fail at it. You do poorly at it. And that's true of a lot of things we do in our lives. But when it comes to management, it affects our career. And many of us believe that your career is, you know, trying to avoid a mistake that's big enough to have a mark against you that lasts for a couple of years. And the other thing too is it affects other people, uh, particularly when it comes to steel cage death matches, right? You're talking about your directs. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that's really, really hard for people because, yeah, in fact, when you think about it, the difference between a, the two types of, of steel cage deathmatch meetings are such that there's no good name for them, as I, I, we've mentioned before, you know. So uh, it's too bad. It's frustrating. And, well, that's why we have manager tools. So we've got five recommendations around steel, the steel cage deathmatch meetings. First one, there are two types of steel cage deathmatches. One is for a layoff and one is for promotions. Most people think of it as being for layoffs, but you've got to be ready for promotion meetings as well. And it's the same basic principle. And the big principle is, number two, in both cases, preparation wins the day. That's the key. Being prepared for these meetings is the way you're successful in them. If you're not prepared, if you're not ready, if you don't know what's going to happen at all, you don't even know why you're being called into your boss's office with all your peers, you're in trouble. Somebody else has already done the work they need to do to get their people what they want. Then uh, we'll talk about the two types of, of preparation you need to do. One is about data about results. This is where so many people stumble. They just want to tell their friends, oh, you know, Bob, he's good. And then the second type of preparation is relationships. You not only have to know what your people have done and how well they've done it, you also have to know your peers and your boss well enough that they can hear you when you tell them how good your folks are. And then lastly, we're going to talk briefly about a documentation technique that I really like. We won't go into it fully, but we want everybody to know about it because it's an easy way to capture the preparation. And that is something called the baseball card. We've talked about that. I think we've alluded to it before, but we've never described it in any great detail. We're not going to do it in great detail here, but at least want you to know this would be a great chance to use it. And we'll sketch it out for you so that you could at least come up with something that would be uh, efficacious for you in a steel cage deathmatch meeting. Good. Now, I'm glad you mentioned that there are, in fact, two types of steel cage death matches, layoffs and promotions. And I think the one folks generally dread the most or worry about the most is layoffs. But, you know, I have a scotoma or something here because when I hear the term, for whatever reason, I think promotions. That's that's what I think. But that's probably not the, the one most people are really. About. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to get your people promoted, right? And, you know, you got to get the work done, right? And, and it's probably... It depends. I mean, I could say it right now in the middle of a economic downturn. So, yeah, it probably happens more often, but it depends on the company you're in and 
most people would say, no, that's not promotions don't happen as often as layoffs. Yeah, I, I think maybe because in my experience, I, like I, folks, I don't go around firing people all the time. But if somebody's a poor performer, then I'm I'm generally willing to take the action. And it's been a long time since I've been in a position where somebody tells me I have to lay off people because generally I'm known for taking care of that earlier rather than later. Maybe that's right. it. I don't know. Yeah. No. And, you know, your point is a good one. I don't think people, I think there are a lot of people listening right now go, I never thought about that. Yeah. Folks, if you develop a reputation as somebody who produces top performers and is willing to get rid of bottom performers, you will end up, your organization will end up getting less of the knife than somebody else's, particularly somebody who is known for trying to keep everybody or trying to hire more people or always wanting more people. It's far better to have 10 great people than 20 average people, not only because you won't have to lay as many off, but you'll have a lot less management problems, that's for sure. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, dude. Um, But people aren't willing to do that, and then then they end up having too many people, and then they end up in a a situation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we got to be honest here because this uh, (laughs) steel cage death match, I love the, I love the name. I I absolutely love it. It just, just says so much about how many of these meetings are, but we didn't come up with that, did we? (laughs) No, that's Dan McGuire, right? Our friend Dan McGuire on Wall Street. It has stock. It, It conveys the importance. And I think for a lot of us, it conveys the sense of dread that we feel going into them. And Dan actually mentioned it in the first case for a layoff. And I immediately realized it's the same meeting. And Dan and I talked about it. It's the same meeting for somebody going in to get promoted. You have to have your ducks in a row. And to me, it sends the right signal as a naming convention. It sends the right signal to the manager who thinks she's just going to go in and talk to her boss about her people. And folks, that, that'll, get you, that'll get you not what you want. Hey, let's get together and talk about the upcoming layoff. And you know, okay. And so you take your notebook and you walk in and you assume that you and your peers are all going to banter around for a little while and talk about who's good and who's not. And there's a couple of guys I could probably lose. It'd be okay. Or, well, then there's the really naive manager who says, well, everybody knows I'm not going to lose anybody. I mean, my team's too important. We're all busy. And it's, you know, <laughs> yeah, geez, <laughs> you just, you just like walking to slaughter, right? You know, it's our name and it comes from Dan. There really is no official name for these meetings uh, that cuts across all industries and so on. And because of the nature of the meetings, I don't think there'll ever be an official name for it. The closest thing to it that I've ever experienced on the upside is a Series C meeting, an executive level meeting at GE where sit down and go over the top 200 or 500 people in the organization and essentially evaluate them, talk about who's good and who's not good and why they're doing well and what needs to change and so on. So we named it for a reason. Thank you, Dan. In order to convey to you the sense of importance, this is not a trivial meeting. If you're expecting a layoff or a discussion about a promotion and your boss says, let's all get together and talk about our people, you know, we have to do some rationalization. We have to do some balancing. Uh, Let's take a good hard look, folks. If you think you're going to walk in there without being prepared and get what you want, you're smoking crack. It's not going to happen. You've got to be better than that. And that's what this cast is about. So let's take a minute, though. Let's talk about each of the two types, just so we're, we're clear about this. You know, you said you, you this is the one you think about, the promotion steel cage deathmatch meeting. But I think that's the one people miss. They just don't see it as important. It's not the one I think that scares people the most. Yeah, I think that's true. 
Yeah, but it is important in terms of in, in terms of your career, in terms of your ability to get your people promoted. You know, I've said this before to people, managers are evaluated on whether or not they get people promoted and executives are evaluated on whether or not when their people get promoted, they do well. And I think too many managers don't realize they play a proactive role in helping their person, people get promoted. I wish I could could help. You know, I'm struggling to find a way to say, hey, you got you to get your people promoted. And I think, look, I think there are managers who tell me, rightfully so, they say, Mark, there aren't any promotions. Okay. Okay. I would argue that the really effective manager, and just so you know, when I was 23, 24, 25, I didn't know this and I didn't do it. Uh, when you're young, when you're just starting, when you don't have a lot of experience, if somebody tells you there are no promotions due, don't worry, then okay, fine. I, there aren't any, but it's just like jobs. There, you know, The market's bad. There aren't any jobs. Well, there are jobs. They're just a hidden market for it. And there are promotions, but they might have require somebody to move somewhere else yeah, there, there are no promotions until there's a promotion. Right? Yeah, until <laughs> there's a promotion. Exactly. You never know. And the moment they're, quote, there, there are no promotions until there is a promotion, the moment that happens, somebody says, oh, well, that guy, it was a special case or it was a one-off or he was known to be ready for that job and they just found it. Yeah, that's right. His boss, her boss got her or him a promotion. That's what happens. Or somebody leaves and an opportunity comes available that that wasn't available before. It can happen exactly. in an in instant, unfortunately, yeah. and sometimes for bad reasons, but got to be prepared. People assume that when the person leaves, that's when the discussion is happening. And that's no. not true, folks. No, the discussion is already happening long before that. It's an ongoing discussion on a regular basis about abilities and relationships and who's next. And if your person is not in the mix, they're not going to be considered when the opportunity is there. And some senior person says, we need somebody now. If you have to go politicking then, that's probably not good. But look, what happens is when we talk about the promotion version of a steel cage death match, uh, your boss, a director, an AVP says to you, hey, we have a couple of promotion opportunities. Let's all get together and figure out who's best for these roles. Okay. Now, you may not know where the opportunities are. Or the opportunities may have already been made available. Generally speaking, if your boss calls you together for a meeting like this, it's either very quickly before an announcement is that there are openings or it's very quickly after it. Bosses generally don't say six months in advance, let's find out who's ready for promotion and so on. Some do, the really, really good ones, the ones who are very proactive uh, or are running their own division or, or running their own area of the firm for uh, for the company. But generally, uh, they tend to happen around the knowledge across the organization that there are opportunities. And look, sometimes your boss will clumsily suggest, let's just keep on having this staff meeting that we're in. We'll just chat around about it and uh, it'll be fine. We'll figure out. Now, that, now, I don't think that's very smart, but sometimes intelligence isn't a prerequisite for getting promoted. So basically, in a, in a promotion steel cage death match, your boss wants to have you and your peers discuss your best directs to determine who among them might be most ready for promotion. Again, usually it's not an abstract dis discussion. It's unlikely that your boss is going to do an evaluation like this without a specific opening in mind. So usually that's true. And usually there's that specific opening in mind and your boss probably has some input or he or she has the choice all to him or herself. Okay. Your job in the promotion 
steel cage death match is to get your most qualified direct promoted by being the most prepared for the discussion. Yeah. And we're going to talk about how to be prepared for that discussion. But before yeah. we do, let's, let's talk about the, the second steel cage death match. And, and, the, and for a lot of folks, the far more risky one, right? Which is the layoff steel cage death match. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's be clear. Right. You, you're, you're contrasting rightfully so. And there are similarities in both cases, promotion steel cage death match and layoff steel cage death match. There are a limited number of opportunities available. And your job is to help your directs win as many of those limited slots as is reasonable. In the case of a promotion, steel cage death match, perhaps there are one or two slots that are available. Perhaps. In a layoff, there are probably more slots available, again, for those who are staying versus getting promoted. And you just got to see this clearly. It's about more people. Both meetings are about there being more people than there are slots and convincing others, peers and boss, that your people are best for the slots that are going to be there. Now, again, obviously, the promotion one, we're talking about one or two slots and nobody's leaving. But if three of your people are ready for promotion and only one of them gets it and your company only promotes people once a year, dumb idea, but it happens, suddenly you've had two people miss out when they're ready. And that increases their risk of retention loss, right? Uh, their departure, uh, their their uh, turnover risk. That's right. And so so you've got to do your to, to spend all that time to help them get ready to be promoted and then to not have the ability to get them promoted. Not that you'll be able to win every time, but we want to win on the margins. That's not good. It's not effective to help somebody develop and then not be able to do the political piece. And this is political, no question about it. You know, I remember when I was 23, 24 and said, nah, I'm not never going to do politics. Don't like politics. Just want to deliver results. Just want to deliver results. Well, and then you became a manager. <laughs> yeah. And then discovered it's all it's all political. And I know there are people who are hearing that who are saying, oh, darn, I don't want it to be political. But folks, go back. I'm, we're about to tell you what you need to do to help your people be ready for a steel cage death match. And it's about knowing their results and then having relationships so that other people can hear you talk about the results. Yeah, and, and folks, you might, might poo poo the is. idea of politics. Yeah, but but it's not. That's what politics is: relationships and communication. Yeah, influence and persuasion. Right there, you go. Which are built on relationships and not on role power. Yeah. In the layoff steel cage death match, most managers think they'll become aware of the meeting or the need beforehand. And look, that makes sense. But frankly, that's not what we found. We respect it, folks. We do. We respect that many of you think, of course, I'll know. I'll have a sense. It'll be in the air. Okay. But it's been our experience that even though that may be true, it is in the air, most managers are caught off guard by the meeting request or by the discussion that your boss wants to have. Now, look, I'm, I'm not saying that you, you should be aware. I'm not, not scolding you at all. We're just saying that in our experience, managers seem to think they'll know, but that's not what seems to happen. They're aware that things aren't good or things are softer, but we're going to power through this or it's going to get better next quarter or whatever. They're okay. They, they have that, but then they don't flip the switch and go, the moment I start feeling that I've got to get my ducks in a row, they don't do the ducks in a row thing if you'll pardon the expression, and their boss suddenly says to him, hey, let's sit down and let's talk about all your people because things are tight. And then you have a day maybe to get ready and you can't 
have a day to get ready. It won't work. Well, it could work. And if you're struggling with that now, I know you're probably frustrated this cast is taking as long as it is, but we want everybody to understand everything that's going on so you can be ready. But if you have a week, you can get ready, at least on the first part. You can't get ready with the relationship part, but you can get ready with the data you need. Look, in a layoff steel cage deathmatch, folks, you're fighting for the jobs that you're direct. Maybe for you, you're super connected with everybody around you. You're in touch. You're constantly sampling the way the wind blows. If so, good on you. I mean, that's good. But folks, I got to tell you, it will haunt you for the rest of your career if you go into your first one unprepared and one of your directs is lost, didn't get the promotion or didn't get to keep her job because you didn't do a little bit of preparation. And we're not saying that the more prepared manager gets to keep his entire team. We're not saying that the more prepared manager gets everybody who's ready for a promotion, a promotion. In other words, you win all the slots. What we are saying is the unprepared manager may get none and may end up losing more than anybody else because they're not ready to communicate in the language of a steel cage deathmatch meeting. Yeah. Make the outcome a result of facts and performance, right? And relationships and not a result of your unpreparedness, right? That's what we're trying to get here. Yeah. Be proactive about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you're not suggesting, just to be clear here, you're not suggesting that we're going to go in there, regardless of our folks' performance, go in there and argue to keep them. So for somebody we know is the worst performer in our boss's entire organization, we're not going to go in there and try to keep that job, or are we? Yeah, you know, it's a separate cast, actually, because I feel like that communication is a powerful one for managers. I'm amazed how many managers won't do it. But to be fair, I should be more fair about that and say I ought not to be amazed because, you know, years ago – I I wouldn't have known how to do it. But what, you know, shame on me for being surprised. But yeah, what happens is, you know, I have 10 people and one of them has been performing poorly. I admit it. It's my fault. I, I should be helping them perform and I'm not. You know, I haven't done my job. Maybe I've decided it's a bad hire or whatever. But when I go into the meeting, yeah, I, I'm willing to sacrifice people. Absolutely, I am. There you go. Yeah. Proactively, you'd walk in and say, look, yeah. before we even start, I'm going to put this person on the table because I haven't done my job. They're not ready. They should go. If we have to let somebody go, this should be the person. You would you would do that if you knew that to be the case. Yeah, I would. Actually, it's a little bit more subtle than that. <laughs> yeah, because it's it, – this is a bad word, and I, I, I want to apologize in advance for it, but but I'm going to use a, short, a verbal shorthand here. Because there's some horse trading that's going to go on. Okay. As crass as it sounds, folks, there's a currency in these meetings and the currency are people. Depending upon the organization and depending upon the size of my organization relative to my boss's organization and so on, I probably wouldn't go in and immediately sacrifice Mm -hmm. unless I had close relationships with my peers and they would see that as me being professional. That's not always true. Right. I have worked with groups where my peers would say, well, that makes it easy. You know, he's he's basically said, well, Mark had 10. He's willing to sacrifice too. So what they would say is Mark probably wants there to be eight that are certain for him. But all that means to me, if I don't, if they don't have a good relationship with me is now he's starting with eight. Right. right. And if good I can point. get him down to six, that means he's lost four and that may keep two of my people on my team. And there are, and look, there, there are peers of yours who are like that. And if I don't have a good relationship with them, that may be the case. Right. If you did it the way I talked about it, you would basically say, hey, these two people that, that are not good performers, and I probably should have fired a long time ago. They're gone anyway. And then everybody else just suggests that 
the baseline has changed. Now, instead of 30 people, there's yeah. 28 people to talk about. Yeah. So, but, but now let's say you and I work for Dan. Okay. Dan, Dan would not like that very much. He'd like you, but he wouldn't like me. But if you and I work for Dan and we both knew this was coming, Dan said to us, okay, look, guys, we got to have a steel cage death match. Get ready. Okay. We're ready. Anytime. And he says, okay, how about Tuesday at four? Okay, great. I'd probably come over to your desk and go, look, I think the number is five. We've got a total of 33 people between us. The number is five. Hopefully, I could say to you the first time, look, three of them are mine. I got the three. I'm pained. I'm embarrassed, but I got the three. And frankly, if you needed it to be four, I could be four. Now, that's because it's you and me. And I would think you would come to me and say, I got two or I got three. But maybe you have one or zero. If you have zero and I have four, we're going to fight over that extra one. But that's you and me, and I trust you. And if you tell me tomorrow's Christmas, I'm going to get my stocking ready. And so I got no problem with that. Now, if I only have two people and you say they both need to come from you, that we need to lose two and they both need to come from you, okay, maybe I I trusted you (laughs) inappropriately. But there are other times I would hope that would be our first meeting. And so I could start a meeting that way. But probably we don't have that good a relationship with, with all of our peers. And so other peers will see that as being weak or weakness. And it's too bad. I have to tell you, folks, I've taught negotiation for years. And I'll tell you, the big thing in negotiation is goodwill, right? I want to leave goodwill on the table. If every time I meet with you, we're fighting, there's no way we're going to collaborate in a highly effective way when the when the stuff is hitting the fan, when we have to scale a mountain in three weeks. So in principle, you're right. You're willing to sacrifice people. But let's be clear, dude, we're going to sacrifice people because we know who we need to sacrifice, because we have created the data, because we know the relationships, because we know who does well for other peers of ours and for our boss. And we know, based on our knowledge of of our team's performance, which ones are best for us and best for the organization. But too many managers don't. And and imagine you, you and I being in a meeting and a third person saying to us, well, we got to get rid of Bob, who works for Horseman, because he's just awful. Well, if I haven't prepared for everybody on my team, and now Bob's on the table when I didn't expect Bob to be on the table, I spend all my political capital defending Bob. And then I can't help Terry and Jane become team leads when when my team gets bigger, let's say, or when a team lead opens up in your organization and one of my people could come over there and help, and it would be sort of a promotion. Good. Okay. I, I took us down a rabbit trail. I apologize. I didn't want people to walk away with the impression that we're saying that when you go into these steel cage death match meetings for layoffs, that we're always trying to keep all our people all the time. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah. is not, that is in fact not true. It's not your fault we went on a rabbit trail. It's mine. Um, you're right. The point I was about to make before you asked the question, and it's a great question, right? Is that, yeah, you're not trying to keep everybody, you're trying to keep the people at the margins. Okay. If you're unprepared, you might lose a lot of people, potentially. Yeah, folks, let me just be clear. It's possible in a layoff, the team that, lo- let's say there are four managers, all of whom report to the same boss, and they all basically do the same thing. The team most likely to lose the most people is the team with the most junior manager who's least prepared. Now, you might say, well, that sounds terrible. That's not the right way to run a railroad. No, it's not. But it is about people. It's all about people. That's the way things are. And the moment that happens to you as a young manager you'll be better the next time. Unfortunately, there won't be a next time at your company for the people you lose because you weren't prepared. 
That's the point, right? We're fighting for the jobs of our directs. Let's be clear something else about layoff, steel cage deathmatch, folks. I've said this before, and I've had some people write me and say, really surprised I've never heard it say that, said that way. But let's, let's be clear. Let's just look at it economically. If you're in a steel cage deathmatch meeting, somebody at senior level in the past has allowed hires to be made at some point, right? People were hired. And you've proved them right over time, if for no other reason than all your folks are busy. Okay, but by the way, just just to be clear, folks, we we need to do some casts on this at some point, Mark. That Mike, this is a huge scotoma for most people's busyness is often not related to productivity or effectiveness. And just because your people are busy doesn't mean doesn't mean they're valuable. Um, but look, somebody allowed some hires. We have X number of people, but the economic situation has changed, and the company, in its need to continue itself has revenues that can't sustain the level of employment that you and its leaders at some point in the past have allowed it to get to. There are X employees, but the company can only afford 0.97 X. And so what you have is a painful reckoning. But let's be clear. The reason there are layoffs is because somebody made a bad decision in the past. And if layoffs have always bothered you, they bother me too. It's because Person X made a decision, a wrong decision in the past, and person Y is going to pay for it. Be clear now, it is someone's error in the past, not predicting accurately the success of the company in the future, that caused the layoffs to happen today. That said, the fact that it's somebody else's mistake doesn't mean we can't be ready. So you end up having the layoff steel cage deathmatch. Who's going to stay? Who's going to lose their job? And frankly, when it comes to your team, you're going to be the most important person making the recommendation about who among your team will stay. So you got to be ready. <laughs> you got to be ready. So let's talk about how to be ready. And I, I think you said it earlier, right? If you find out about it the day before, you, you can't be ready. Now you find out a week before, you can be ready, but it's all about preparation. It's not about performance in the meeting itself. It's about the preparation yep. for that meeting. The whole thing. Yeah, it is all about preparation. This is the big regret of young managers we know who have done poorly in these meetings. They walk in, they pre they're prepared to, quote, talk about their team <laughs> and they get steamrolled. And again, as I alluded to earlier, more senior managers end up winning the day in terms of at the margins. And there's a phenomenon here similar to the one we've talked about in our pre-wire guidance. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to the website. Search on all casts or type in pre-wire, P-R-E-W-I-R-E, -E, one of our Hall of Fame casts. Managers go into meetings and watch a fellow manager nail a presentation, getting everything they want. And some of us mistakenly think that it was because of a wonderful presentation. But of course, it wasn't that. It was because of the work they did beforehand, making sure everybody was on board in advance, having briefed everybody individually. The same thing is true with steel cage death matches. You have to have your ducks in a row in advance. You have to know what matters and you have to know who, what matters to. That's what this cast is about. Getting ready for your steel cage death match. Now look, each steel cage death match is meeting. Some managers say, let's just go around the horn. Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? Let's offer up some, you know, I've had, I, you know, it, it sounds terrible. There's dark humor in them. It's, it, and even at very professional companies, um, sorry, who's on, who's on the block and, you know, let's find out how many people could you lose right now? And look, every senior manager I know who starts the meeting by saying, who could you lose right now? What they want is they might have a number of five, and when they go around the horn, they discover there's seven people they could lose. Okay, 
less angst in the meeting, right? And there's nothing wrong with that if you're ready, then you know how to talk about things. So there's no template, different, more senior people do it differently. But that said, we will put out a template for how we recommend you do it if you're the director or you're the VP. So we can't tell you exactly what's going to happen in your meeting specifically. But we can say, if you're well-prepared, you'll be ready for anything. Now, look, I know if you're listening to this cast and your steel cage deathmatch meeting is tomorrow, and Mike, it occurs to me, we might want to have, remember when we did, uh, when we called one-on-ones, the one-on-one cast, the most important management tool, and people would email us and ask, where's the one-on-one-on-ones? We may want to be more clear about what steel cage deathmatches are in the title of the (laughs) cast or something. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Steel cage deathmatch is definitely inside baseball. But yeah, you need to be ready for anything. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long.